stationary. Y'all know I love to take notes. I love to write. I love to write on paper. I love to write notebooks. Matt, what'd you give me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, And I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a, like a text file or whatever, actually writing something down physically helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple Pencil with it, I have been doing that on there, and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called nanodots. With those nanodots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook, here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you got a paper-like and I'm sure it's, it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use. And paper, like, feels good on the iPad. Uh, they also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with, but getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, (laughs) that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a paper-like on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paper-like products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better, this is how you do it. So, to pick up your paper-like, head over to paperlike.com Ajax, click Buy Paper-like, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their digital pro planner bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax to get started. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Comics Catch-Up. It's the show where Matt and I catch up on some comics that uh, you 
the uh, Patreon backing listener, recommend to us. And we have a very interesting book to talk about today, I think. Yeah, it is very interesting. We are reading through the first 13 issues of the Dark Horse Comics series Black Hammer, mostly by Jeff Lemire and Dean Ormston. Although I believe there was one or two fill-in artists on uh, this set of issues. David Rubin filled in for a couple of issues. Yeah, a, a couple of times. He definitely did the uh, the Colonel Weird issue was one of his that I remember particularly. And Chris, in our little bit of conversation before we we jumped on to record this that we had about this book, we talked about what a very, very high concept Black Hammer is. Yes. Uh, it is... It is essentially like it, it's very much in our wheelhouse because it's almost like an Astro City sort of thing in a lot of ways. Yes, uh, with the flashbacks and the fact that everyone in the book is an analog for a DC Comics character in some pretty interesting ways. Some a little closer than others. Yes, but. Definitely everybody in the book. <laughs> well, I guess the only one who's kind of not is Abraham Slam, who is very clearly a Captain America. Yeah, Abraham Slam is an old guy who fought b- back in World War II. Yeah, he tried to join the army in World War II, but he was too physically frail to do so, so uh, he didn't. So, but Well, it's, he's, it's, he's like half Captain America, half Daredevil. He... He is kind of, because what happens is instead of getting a super soldier serum, he just learns to be a boxer. (laughs) Yeah, he goes to a boxing gym, and a trainer trains him to fight. Which is a very, a very golden age origin, too, for a a guy to just be like, I've learned secret fighting techniques. So there's Abraham Slam. Mm -hmm. There's Golden Gale, who Uh, is... A reverse Captain Marvel slash Shazam. Yes. A, she has Billy Batson's origin. She gets uh, powers from a wizard. She says, Zafram. Mm-hmm. And uh, she turns into a, uh, like, at 10 years old, she gets the power to turn into a superheroic version of her, like, 10-year-old self. Her human identity ages. Her superhero identity does not. Right. So, by the time we catch up with the story, like, she's in her 50s, but... Uh, she is stuck in her super heroic body, which uh, is a nine-year-old. Right. So she is highly embittered. She yeah. hates that she has to go to school. And we see ha- how even during her superhero career, she kind of hated having to turn into this child mm-hmm. to to do things. So by the end of her superhero career, she's she's decided to kind of pass the torch to this essentially golden family that is much like the Marvel family and retire. And she gets dragged into the big fight that sends everybody to this weird little town where everybody is when we start the, start the series. Yeah. That's probably where we should start before we get into the cast. So there's a bunch of superheroes and they're essentially in an episode of the Twilight Zone uh, because yeah. they are trapped 
in a very specific geographic region. They're on a farm, and there's a small town nearby the farm, but they can't leave beyond, I think they say it's like 10 miles in one direction, and like just a few miles in the other direction. It is essentially the farm they live on and the neighboring town, and that is that is it. Yeah, and if they leave, they will explode. Because... What happened to... Black Hammer. The Black Hammer, yeah. Who was... We learn a lot about him in, I want to say it's like issue seven or eight. Yeah, he's kind of the last one that we really learn about, uh, and he's Mr. Miracle. He is, yes, absolutely Mr. Miracle, but also he's, with a hand... He's also Mr. Miracle plus John Henry Irons. Plus the plus Thor, kind of. Well, the hammer does transform him, and he gets called into action by a, a Star group Lock. of... Yeah, yeah. Starlock of the New World. <laughs> it's it's a combination of Odin and the New Gods. Yeah, they they are the High, High Father. They are the Gods of New World, which is great. And what's oh, what's her name? It's uh, it's it's like Whip Whiplasha <laughs> yeah. and her Amazons. Uh, I'll tell you my favorite character name in the book. In I bit. bet it's the same as mine. Okay, let's do it now. Okay. Cthulhu. Oh, no, mine's Sherlock Frankenstein. <laughs> Sherlock Frankenstein is also good, but I really like Cthulhu, L-O-U, because it's a Cthulhu monster that took over the body of a guy named Lou. <laughs> yeah, he's a real uh, stagger on the dinosaur man. Uh-huh. Because he's just a guy who turns himself, like, he splices, uh, like, it's... This is, it's like octopus DNA and like something else, and he turns himself into a Cthulhu monster, and he's like, I'm an evil god, and they're like, your name is Lou. Cthulhu. Fantastic. Uh, so who else do we have? We have Golden Gale, we have Abe Slam, we, we have, have Colonel Weird. Colonel Weird, who is Adam Strange, essentially. Yeah. He's a space adventurer. And his uh, his robot pal, Talkie Walkie. Yeah. Now, is that a Talkie Tawny take? She's a... She's, I think, meant to be representative. Colonel Weird and, and Talkie Walkie, I think, are meant to be representative of kind of all the space heroes. So it's it's kind of like you know, space space cabbie had a a robot secretary and yeah, because because Colonel Weird has a sort of Elena Strange, but she dies in the Parazone. Mm-hmm. So it's all the it's all the space stuff. It's let's have a one to one with with Colonel Weird. He's definitely got a an Adam Strange feel to him, especially in terms of his look. But yeah. he's also very much a a Tommy Tomorrow, a space cabbie, a ultra the multi alien. Like yeah, I, I feel like all these characters incorporate certain elements of other characters, so they're not just one to one analogs, except. Mm-hmm. For Barbalian, who is fully Martian Manhunter. Talk about Mark Marks. <laughs> Mark Marks. <laughs> maybe the best maybe the best gag in the entire thing is uh instead of being John Johns, he's Mark Marks. He's Mark Marks. Uh from Mars. He's from is, is he stated to be from Mars? He is from Mars. He is he is Barbalian, warlord of Mars. That's right, he is from Mars. He uh, poses as a cop. He he can disguise himself himself as a human, and so he's a cop for a while. He's straight up Martian Manhunter, <laughs> like the pretty, only, pretty distinctly one to one. 
the only difference is that he's gay. And I am now that I'm saying everything out loud, I wonder if that idea has its origins in the word Manhunter. And if, like, or or if I, my mind just went to, like, a really terrible joke. Uh, I don't know. But the the drama uh, that plays out with Barbalian is oh, it's really, really good. Yeah. Really well realized because essentially Barbalian's arc is there's a lot of like kind of love triangles in this book, which is interesting. Because mm-hmm. Golden Gale has a thing for Barbalian, not realizing that he's gay. And Barbalian decides to start going to the local church and gets involved with the priest there or the Hot priest. He believes that this minister slash priest is attracted to him. But when he makes a move, the priest freaks out and tells him not to come back. Yeah. And it's, it's really well realized, very sad, uh, a nicely done little kind of romantic story arc there. Yeah. And it's a thing. This is also a thing that has happened to him before because it happened to him with his partner when he was a cop. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And, uh, and then the last character of the original group that's in the the town is Madame Dragonfly, who I feel like is the one we see the least of. Uh, and up to a point, we see the least of her for the first five issues. In number six, she becomes a very central character. and that She becomes the narrator of the book for that issue, and I love that. Yeah, that issue is great, because Madame Dragonfly, if, if there's a one-to-one, it's Madame Zandu. But she's also yeah. a horror host. She's she's Cain and Abel. Uh, she's, the, she's the, like, very... In fact, Matt, she's specifically uh, House of Secrets, because in her issue that she's narrating, we get the origin of Swamp Thing. <laughs> Uh, yeah, she creates a swamp thing. She creates a swamp thing uh, from two guys named uh, Len and Bernie, which is very funny. Very, very nice little comics inside joke. Bernie Wrightson and Len Ween would be who that refers to. Yeah. Uh, but here's here's the thing about Madame Dragonfly, and I don't know a ton about Madame Xanadu, so you might have to help me out on this. <laughs> is her origin similar to Madame Xanadu's origin? Because here's, here's Madame Dragonfly's origin essentially she her, her she has a baby and she's afraid that her baby's going to die cuz it's really sick and she goes to see this old witch oh, woman no, her her baby actually dies it's actually dead that's true yeah. so she goes to see this old witch in a cabin who everybody in the surrounding area talks about as being this Dangerous witch, but also someone who can help bring a baby back to life. So she brings her baby to the witch, and the witch says, okay, I can help you, but it's really – there's a rough trade to bring somebody back to life. you got to give up a life to get a life. So I'm really tired of this job. Uh, So it would be cool if I could just die, but you have to take over the cabin after that. And in her desperation, Madame Dragonfly agrees to that and becomes the new caretaker of this cabin and becomes this witch lady. 
And then she never sees her kid again. Even though presumably that child was brought back to life. Yeah. But she just becomes the caretaker of that cabin, and that becomes her entire existence after that. This, and somehow this, the cabin exists in the town where they live now. Here's here's my question for you, Matt. Did you stop after number 13? I did, yeah. Okay, I will say this. Uh, I kind of got why people wanted us to read it eventually, but I did something with this book that I have not done with any of the books that we've done for Comics Catch-Up. You kept going, point, which is I kept going. Yeah, I want to keep going. I, I'm really invested in this book now. Yeah, because also it turns out there's a lot of this book. Because the first series, like Black Hammer Volume 1 is 13 issues, but there's also like a four-issue series about Sherlock Frankenstein. Yeah. There's uh, a crossover with the JLA, which I think is hilarious that uh, Jeff Lemire is writing. There's a second series that I think has also run. 13 issues. And here is what I'm going to tell you, Matt. And and this is kind of maybe defeating the point of recording this episode, but it's not something I knew until today when I was okay. reading it. Uh, we cannot rank Black Hammer 1 through 13. Because the rest of it is one story? Because what I would define as the, the first arc of Black Hammer ends in Black Hammer Age of Doom number four. Okay. Is that the most recent issue? No. Okay. No, it is not. Now, is, okay. Is, is, let, let me ask you this point, Blake. Yeah. Is that the issue where we get the reveal about the nature of this town? Yes. Uh, we, okay. By the time we get to Age of Doom is the second series. Uh, and by the time we get to number four in that, you know what has happened. Because even the end of number 13 doesn't feel like the end of the story based on how Black Hammer Age of Doom number one goes. It's not the end of the story. It's a cliffhanger. Yeah. And and it's a cliffhanger that you can kind of see coming, but it is also very satisfying. Because uh, a character we haven't mentioned yet is Lucy Weber who is the daughter of the original Black Hammer. Or I guess he wasn't even the original Black Hammer. He was the second Black Hammer. Joseph yeah. Weber. Because we, we said that he's like a Mr. Miracle, but he's he's a Shiloh Norman, which I think is really interesting. He's, he's Mr. Miracle. He's Thor. He's kind of Green Lantern in that he's a legacy character given this thing by a dying superhero to take their place. Mm-hmm. There's a lot like mixed in to Black Hammer, which I appreciate a lot. And if anything, I would say the first, let's say, seven issues, there, I feel like those are a separate story from, say, what starts with number eight going through maybe uh, that. N- issue you were talking about of the miniseries. What is it? Legacy of Doom number four? Uh, Age of Doom. Age of Doom. So like, because the first seven issues of this book, the first seven issues of this book, we're we're being introduced to characters, right? Mm -hmm. We're being introduced to the characters who live in the town, where they came from, their superhero backgrounds. We're getting seeds of the stuff where they're essentially fighting 
a combination of Darkseid and Galactus. Yeah, the anti-god. The anti-god. And and everything that led up to that big conflict that eventually led them here to the town, which is called Rockwood. Starting with around issue 8, we get plot movement, because there's not necessarily a mystery about what this town is. Like, we know they're trapped there, but we don't know that the town is, like, inherently weird until Mm -hmm. Lucy gets there and starts doing some research about it. And she finds some books about the local history, and they're all blank. Which is the most Twilight Zone-y moment of the the thing, which I loved dearly. Yeah, it's incredibly Twilight Zone-y. I would say that if this... If this arc ends anywhere, I mean, at the end of number six, it, that's when Lucy shows up, and it actually says end of part one. Yeah, and that I feel might like be that, one story. That is that is maybe one story, but I'm telling you, I would put the end of I if I was packaging Black Hammer, I would put the end of I, I would do like a big paperback because it would have to be big because it's 17 issues and that's the yeah. end of the first arc uh by the way uh black hammer age of doom number 11 just came out in july so that is the most recent okay and i have not read all the way up to that but there's also there's a there's a dr star miniseries dr star's name is james robinson by the way <laughs> uh, yes he appears in these 13 issues yes uh matt you you eventually see his uh his costume from when he was a superhero and it's literally just Jack Knight's costume. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So I can, I believe you that I should read age of doom issues one through four. Mm -hmm. And then when we rank this, we will rank black hammer numbers one through 13 plus age of doom one through four as this entire story. Yeah. Because again, I do think this is good. And I thought it was good enough and and ends on enough of a compelling cliffhanger that I was like, okay, I'll read the next one. Another one. Another one. That's right. Until I got to what I thought was a satisfactory ending, I guess. The thing is – To to give it away, and and I think folks would know that we're talking spoilers in these episodes about the stuff we read. Yeah. Yeah. The sort of logical conclusion cliffhanger of number 13 is that Lucy feels compelled to pick up her dad's hammer, and she becomes the new Black Hammer. Yes. Which is what her arc is building to from the minute you see her. Yes. So I, I was I expected that to happen. It was also very cool when it did happen. <laughs> and that's when – because, like, the – the weird thing when she first shows up at the end of number six is that Madame Dragonfly wipes her memory. So she can't remember how she got to Rockwood, but she remembers who she is. It's not like a total memory wipe. And so that is the first time you really have to ask a question about what's going on here. Yeah. And and then it gets more and more weird as it goes. And, and I wonder, um, not having read age of doom number four, if the series kind of changes once the nature of Rockwood becomes clear, because you're right to call it a, a Twilight Zone kind of thing. It's also mm-hmm. a little Twin Peaksy, yeah. In, in these thirteen issues, because you've got the people in the town 
and their own little conflicts and their own little worlds that they kind of orbit around where, you know, you have the stuff with Barbalian and the priest. You have the stuff with uh, Abraham Slam, and he's involved with the sheriff's ex-wife, but the sheriff is jealous, and there's a whole conflict there. Mm -hmm. But there's Golden Gale not wanting to go to school, and people in town constantly complaining about what a bad kid she is. Because she is. Because <laughs> she's, she's actually a 50-year-old child. Yeah, she's yeah. a terrible child because she is not actually a child. And then Colonel Weird is like off in his own world. Colonel the Weird, the Parazone. Like Colonel Weird is is seemingly experiencing all time at once. <laughs> yeah, uh, that becomes a big factor later on. And I will say, I don't know. I, I stopped at number four, so I don't know how much the book changes. But the book has to change at that point. It is a yeah. it is a fundamental changing of the book, and I can. I can tell you what happens if you want, because I think the actual ongoing plot is – the plot's less interesting than the characters, if that makes well, sense. Well, I'm almost feeling like we should do something unprecedented, Chris. Unprecedented, Matt. Unprecedented. So no precedent for it. Never before has this occurred. Never again. Once in a lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> Since – I take you at your word, and I believe you, and I trust you, that I have not read the complete story. Thus, perhaps we should pause this recording mm -hmm. and resume when I have read those four additional issues. Pause this and, recording. I'll go fuck around in God of War <laughs> for yeah. an hour. Yeah. I'll read those four additional issues, and then we'll okay. come back, and we'll rank this thing and talk about what happens in those four issues. Okay. And here's, I, I think we should do that, and here's why. If we rank one through six uh, as a unit, it's not going to be nearly as good as if we rank this weird 17-issue arc. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I personally thought, like, the first six issues of the book are good. They're not bad. They're very good, yeah. They, they hooked me, but... It got better as it went. I got more invested and more interested in what was going on. Really, once Lucy showed up and started asking questions and yes. started wondering why nobody seemed to care about how weird this town is. Yeah, because that's once all the pieces are in place. Yeah. And uh, this is this is the tease I will give you before we before we pause, Matt. Okay. Age of Doom is where the Vertigo characters show up. Okay. Um, <laughs> That sounds that sounds pretty interesting. Now I'm interested, Chris. How did you know to go to Age of Doom next? Because in the chronology of the book, the next thing is the what is his name? What is Sherlock Frankenstein? The Sherlock Frankenstein mini. Yeah, I looked at the covers. <laughs> oh, okay. Because it does say at the end of like the the ads at the end of number thirteen do show you, uh, like. You get a a short teaser, I think, for the Sherlock Frankenstein story. But um, unless I'm misremembering, you do actually get a some kind of teaser. Or maybe I went and looked it up, but I, I knew to go there next because I did read the okay. first issue of Sherlock Frankenstein, and I immediately recognized that oh, this is a supplemental story. Yeah, apparently, um, 
this is a book that has come out fairly slowly, at least if Dean Ormston is working on it. Because as this book was being initially released, Dean Ormston had a cerebral hemorrhage. Oh, wow. That reduced his uh, pace of working. He can't draw as fast anymore. And so for Dean Ormston to draw this book, they have to take these these breaks. Mm-hmm. So th- that's seemingly why they stopped with number 13 and then came back with Age of Doom uh, last year in 2018. That, that both makes sense and is also very surprising because, again – I I don't hear anybody talking about this book, and, and admittedly, I ever since we all got fired, <laughs> I don't read a lot of comics news. Uh, I don't uh, like listen to a lot of other comics podcasts. But like I'm, you know, I I check in on on Twitter. I see people talking about stuff that that we talk about a lot. Like you know, I see people talking about Immortal Hulk. I see people talking about Heroes in Crisis and Doomsday Clock. But I. I was shocked when I looked at this, and it's there's currently 24 issues of what is essentially the main series, Black Hammer and Black Hammer Age of Doom. Plus there's four issues of Black Hammer 45, four issues of the Sherlock Frankenstein, an entire Justice League crossover, four issues of Dr. Star. There's a, mm-hmm. a, uh, there's a Cthulhu-ese uh, series, uh, or one shot, I guess. There's uh, a, an encyclopedia, like a who's who style thing. There's, there's a ton a, of this comic out there. There's a spinoff set in the future. Yeah, there's a, there's a Legion of Superheroes. Yeah. It's very surprising that I hear so little about this book, and yet it is so good, and there's so much of it. Well, it's our listeners drove us in the right direction on reading this. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pause this recording. I'm going to read the first four issues of Black Hammer, uh, Age of Doom. Then we'll be back to rank this whole thing. Zach, do you agree with my assessment? I do, but I have a question for you. Yes. Did you read issue five? Uh, I did not. (laughs) Because I think issue five might actually finish the story. But conceivably, it also kind of starts the next one. So I'm okay with it. Actually, yes, I did. I did actually read issue five. Issue five wraps up a lot of the loose ends. Or does more of the full explanation. Of where they have actually been. And how they got there, why they are there, and what has really been happening. Uh, I have, in fact, read issue five, and I feel like maybe we should include that so that we have an 18-issue story instead of a 17-issue story, because that would make me feel better. I did go to issue six, and it is definitely the start of a new story. Okay, good. So I think yeah, we I are safe. I would the cover of that one. And and it looked very different. The art is very different starting there, too. Uh, because who is the artist that jumps on there? It is Rich Tommaso. Rich Tommaso, yeah. Yeah. So, yes, I think we can pretty clearly and easily say Black Hammer numbers 1 through 13 
and Black Hammer Age of Doom numbers one through five. That is one story. Mm-hmm. Again, something you probably could have guessed, but really well executed. Yes. Uh, so now we're getting back into spoiler territory. It was all an illusion. A simulation. It was all the creation of, to a degree, Colonel Weird. Mm-hmm. But more than that, Madam Dragonfly. Yeah, uh, it was all a dream. They used to read Word Up magazine. Colonel Weird put them into stasis. Like in on his little, ship. On his ship in the Parazone. Uh, Madam Dragonfly created a world out of different dimensions, but they were all real things. So the she basically like built it, and then everything was became real. Right, and up to that point, we see Black Hammer, the new Black Hammer, Lucy, going through some of the other dimensions in uh, Madam Dragonfly's sort of collection of realities. Mm-hmm. Which is a lot of, it's like a, a world tour of some alternate universe Vertigo comics. I feel like the entire reason people uh, told us, you and I, to read this uh, was the panel where the, the Dream Master, who speaks in Blackboard Balloons with white text, goes, Greetings, travelers of the night. Welcome to the land of Nod. Welcome to Dreamland. And another character goes, Oh, brother, here we go. <laughs> Uh, that would be uh, Jack Sabbath. Jack Sabbath, who is Dead Man? Who is Dead Man? Who uh, Lucy meets in Hell, mm-hmm. and it, it's very good. It's yeah. very very good, and I like it a lot. Yeah, it's really good. And like you said, like the reason that I really wanted to go a little further with this is that this series really does build ahead of steam. Yeah. Like it starts off and you're like, okay, yeah, this is, this is pretty good. They're all analogs and they're kind of stuck in this world. And then it just really, really picks up. It really does. And it barrels through to that big reveal. And it is a really nicely done big reveal. Like, I think you're right. The plot stuff is less important than the character stuff. Yeah. You care about what is going on, and it's an impact on the characters way more than just the reveal of the thing itself. Because, like I said, it's Mm -hmm. not that that was – it was, like, super terrible, terribly hard to guess. I think the more important part was who was behind it. When you realize that it was Colonel Weird and Madame Dragonfly, in an attempt to restore some sort of cosmic balance. Yeah, because it turns out that in order to truly defeat the anti-god, an equal sacrifice of good had to leave the universe uh, in order to maintain balance. So Dr. Weird and Madame Dragonfly took them to the Parazone. And then put them in stasis so that the anti-god could not come back. Uh, And if they ever return to Earth, to Spiral City, uh, which they do at the end of that issue, 
they they go back to the the prime material plane, if you will. Anti God will also be reborn. Right. It's it's super well done. It's like these characters. The fact that in the span of this many issues, you can be as invested in these characters as you are, and you can feel bad for Abraham Slam because he just wants to get back to Tammy back in Rockwood, who doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> it's it's very good stuff. And, like, yeah. you feel the anger of Golden Gale when she learns that Madame Dragonfly is behind all this. Uh, and the, there's this great thing about Madame Dragonfly having to work overtime to try to keep them from finding this stuff out. Mm-hmm. So she tries to make everybody's life the best it could possibly be. So she gets Barbalian together with the priest. She makes the sheriff that hates Abe into a, a he he returns after having disappeared, and now he's totally fine with Abe and Tammy being together. You know, because yeah, you also see uh, Madame Dragonfly vaporize that dude, like turn him into swamp muck, yeah, and then he shows back up at one point, and so there's a very nice sense of between all these introductions and riffs on your favorite characters and and the sort of like oh but the but the tragedy of being captain marvel which i think could get very tired very quickly you get all this nice forward momentum and all this good stuff of characters playing off of one another it's it's really it's really elegantly done like it it really does all the pieces are set up, and then kind of, much like it happens in the book, the engine starts. And I think that's really neat. I think it's a very neatly told story. Yeah, I, I can imagine there may have even been some discussion of stretching this out. Mm-hmm. You know? Of of saying, well, the premise of the book, the premise of Black Hammer, is that it's these superheroes who are trapped in this little town called Rockwood, and we need to keep them there. There's so much to explore in this town. We could do 50 issues of them in the town. Mm-hmm. But instead, they do 18. And that's kind of plenty. It doesn't feel padded out. Um, I've, I've talked about this with regards to the novel that I have literally been reading for the past eight months, and I read some of tonight. Uh, the thing that's taking me so long is not that it's dense as such it's deliberate and i feel like the pacing in black hammer comes off as very deliberate uh this this these 18 issues could have been done in six but they would not be as good done in six and i think that's very very key and it would have felt stretched out and too long if it had been 50 yeah 18 was the right call and and in doing this story in 18 issues Lemire and Ormston have created a universe where they can do tons of stuff mm-hmm. and, I mean, and as, as evidenced by the fact that they have <laughs> yeah and they're moving on to these side stories these other mini series there's an annual that we didn't read that was part of the 
initial run, uh, which I imagine is probably some kind of side story or flashback. And and even as as this this progresses, if they need to flash back to these heroes living on the farm, they can do that. You know, they don't have to keep them trapped on the farm for fifty issues with people waiting for however many years to find out what the heroes are doing there and what the nature of this place really is. I think it was, I mean, look, I didn't start reading this book when it started coming out, but it started coming out in 2016. It feels like it took just the right amount of time to get there. I do genuinely wonder if we would like it as much, if we hadn't been able to just buckle down and read all of it at once, because I, that deliberate pacing really works when you have 18 issues in front of you and you can, you know, go jump on comicsology and buy all of it that you want. But if we're reading month to month and then getting these side stories, I do wonder if it would hold up as well that way, but that's not how we experienced it. So yeah, I mean, we can only rank our experience and my experience with this was very good. Yeah. So I think, again, everything in here is very simple, right? It's And it's all kind of stuff we've seen before. We talked about how evocative it is of the Twilight Zone. We've sure. talked about how it's it's analogs for superheroes and they got problems. It's very Twilight Zone. It's very Astro City. It's very... Twin Peaks. Very Twin Peaks. All of the characters are like easily recognized as specifically, it's literally just Martian Manhunter. <laughs> uh, but... All of those pieces, and I mean, people have read comics that I've written. Like, I love taking pre-existing pieces and like putting them together in ways that I think are fun. I love analog characters. I really do. So I'm not dissing the idea, but I do think it's cool that all of these very simple concepts, you can really see the execution of the book when it is all very familiar stuff. It's it's in a lot of ways it's like reading a good Superman story. And it's like, oh, yeah. I know that guy. You know? Yeah, it's it's not about the surprise. It's about making you invested in the characters and seeing they how they react to being surprised. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh what what did you think of the endless showing up? Uh, pretty hilarious. Yeah, I believe they are literally just the endless. <laughs> in the book, he's referred to as the Bereaver, which is a fun name. Uh huh. I liked some of the other stuff too. There's a direct, uh, winky reference to Sweet Tooth, Jeff Lemire's yes. Vertigo book, which is very fun. Uh, there's some Doom Patrol stuff in here. There's other Vertigo-y things as Lucy is going through these different worlds and it's yeah it's a fun time i was trying to figure out what's his name lonnie chase is the bartender the bartender yeah yeah i was trying to figure out who who he is meant to be because i didn't get the name the the name didn't strike me and i'm sure it's just something i'm missing I'm I'm wondering if he's not like supposed to be like a combination of like Garth Ennis and Warren Ellis and I was gonna say more than anything else he's fucking Warren Ellis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He he feels like a, a combination of a bunch of 
British Vertigo writers. Yeah. You know, that's what I think he's probably supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, I also dumps a character in hell and is like, yep, that's what I do. I'm a bastard. And then he leaves. (laughs) Uh, I mean, he's 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 very much like a John Constantine type as far as his role in the book, but he doesn't feel quite like him, you know. No, he yeah, feels like a, is good. he feels like a nod toward a writer for sure, or a bunch of writers like all in, encompassed in one character. Yeah. The other thing that we really get that I wanted to talk about when we get into Age of Doom is we get uh, the new Black Hammer. Real, like immediately taking to being Black Hammer. Yeah, like she, when she goes it. down to hell and she just like she just wrecks and, the shit out of some demons. Yeah, the devil tries to trick her by showing her uh like her father in a cage, and uh she's like, "Hey, fuck this!" Actually, and then she just beats the shit out of a bunch of demons like Hellboy style. It's like a, this amazing combination of like Hellboy style and Jack Kirby style. Like, because there's that there's that panel where she's swinging the hammer, and there's like five demons flying away from there, and they're all like upside down and at the wrong angles. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And then you know when she uh, when we see her again, and she's covered in demon blood, and she's standing on this pile. She goes, "I can do this all day." She's really good. She's immediately really good. Yeah, that moment is fantastic, and the way she takes to Jack Sabbath, mm-hmm. and kind of like. Help, like make sure he gets out of hell and they, he gets helped and the way that they, they immediately team up to help each other out it's good good stuff very much so I, I really think that it it does pick up so much steam so and, and honestly like shout out to uh to uh uh, Dean Ormston. I did not know that about the cerebral hemorrhage. I mean, it's uh, cerebral hemorrhage. It's incredible that uh, he does this much good work, even in the amount of time that it took these books to come out, like with that going on. Yeah. I mean, you would never know just by looking at the art uh, that he was impaired in any way. So, uh, yeah, Dean Ormston, great, great work on this. Okay. Chris. I have a suggestion for where this could go on the list. A suggestion. This is a pretty narrow berth for this to go in. I think it's better than the first volume of Lock and Key. Okay. Welcome to Lovecraft. You know, I was at the comic book store yesterday, Matt, and I saw they have a box set of every lock and key paperback, and I almost bought it. <laughs> you ought to get it. It's a very good book. It's very expensive. <laughs> it's not as good as the best volume of lock and key we have on here, volume five, Clockworks. Which are very close together. You're talking about number yeah. 114 to number 119 on the yeah. list. I think it goes in that between those two. I... I specifically – I'm willing to put this above Green Arrow Year One. Uh, I don't think I liked it as much as I liked the Al Ewing, Kenneth Rockefeller Ultimates, which also kind of feels like taking types and putting them together, even though it is the the actual characters. Like, taking Galactus and being like, okay, but what if Galactus was the Lifebringer? And not the devourer. Yeah. Feels like a very 
takey idea, if that makes sense. It's it's a it's a superhero deconstruction. They're both superhero deconstructions. Yes, yes. Uh, in but in interesting ways, in really yeah. interesting ways, and yeah. So I I think that would be my ceiling on this. But that's like right under. Is it better than that peanut strip? About I think curse, it is. Curse. I think it's better than that peanut strip. The peanut strip's really good, though, Matt. It's it's a good good gag, but I think this pays off in a really really beautiful and brilliant way. That is fair. That is fair. So I think we're going to put this in the list of the new number one sixteen. Yeah, which is very high. Yeah, that's really very high. Really good showing for Black Hammer. I can see why people wanted us to read it. So we're putting number one to 13 and... Yes, one through four of Age of Doom. Wow, okay. That's, that is such a weird thing to put on this list. But, like, but yeah, I feel like... I mean, I feel like that's the first uh, complete story. Actually... One through five. We decided it's one through five. One through five. One through five. Yes. Eighteen issues. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, I'm compelled to read what else? What the rest of Black Hammer that is out there? Which again, that is the first time this has happened in a comics catch up. I mean, we read the entirety of the Ewing Ultimates. So, yeah, and I would have read like I would have read more of Ultimates, but I wouldn't have read them immediately after. I don't yeah. think. I don't think I would have read like just jumped right on, right yeah. back in. This is a really, really, really good book. So yeah. thank you to everybody for suggesting it. I we had a good time reading this, I think. Yeah, and, and again, like I'm really this this kind of like proves the the concept of doing the polls, because I would have never picked this. And I was very surprised when we uh when this made it on the, like this was suggested and you put it on the poll i was like huh black hammer nobody ever talks about that but here we are and speaking of the poll we'll be doing another one in september if you have a suggestion of something we should put on that poll uh hit us up on tumblr warrocketpodcast.tumblr.com or email us warrocketajax or i'm sorry warrocketpodcast at gmail.com or get get to add us on twitter I'm at the Matt D. Wilson. Chris is at the ISB. We'll be back in September with another comic that we're catching up on. Will we like it as much as Black Hammer? I don't know. It's going to be tough. Tough competition. Uh, statistically speaking, no, we will not. <laughs> <laughs> but you can send along something that you think we might like as much. That would be a, a good little activity for, to give to yourself. See you all next month, and uh, keep it weird. Yeah, keep it weird. Colonel Weird. Good catching up. (laughs) 